0: to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. Today I would like to share a message with you, um, not about Redda, but it's called The Choices We Make in Hard Times. I don't think there's anyone in this room that would disagree that 2020 was filled with hard times for the entire world. If you look at it from a pandemic standpoint, I'm gonna look at it from the Old Testament standpoint and how God worked or attempted to work with Israel and Judah, much to his chagrin, they didn't pay attention during hard times. So if you'll go to Isaiah seven, we see the world is falling apart. Where do you go for help? Whether, whether you're suffering mentally, physically, spiritually, financially, what causes you the most worry? Is it something bad that happened in the past? Something that you're worried about happening today? Something that you're worried about in the future? Well, if you have a tendency to make... Mole hills into mountains, then perhaps this lesson from Isaiah 7 will be appropriate for you. Before I start, let me just uh, close, uh, open in a word of prayer. Lord, I would just ask that you help the messenger to get out of the way and that you reveal yourself to us, your will for our lives and your spirit's ability to come in and make new creatures out of us when we receive Jesus. Thank you for this lesson from Isaiah. May we learn from it in Jesus' name, for his glory, amen. Isaiah 7 You starts with Uzziah was the king for 50 years. He's gone. Um, his grandson is now the king. Ahaz. Uh, He's on the throne in Judah, and to be sure, he's facing some hard times. He has two countries that are about to attack him. So you have, for the sake of illustration, you have Judah up here. You have Israel over here. Um... Verse 1 says, Now it came about in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that Rezin, the king of Aram, which is Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramallah, king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, to conquer it. Ahaz is on the throne. The one country getting ready to attack him is Syria. The problem with the other country... It's his brothers. Israel. The ten tribes to the north have linked with Syria. They're going to attack Ahaz. Judah. Ten tribes. How did Judah react to this? Verse 2. When it was reported to the house of David saying the Arameans have camped in Ephraim, his heart and the hearts of his people shook as the trees of a forest shake with the wind. They haven't even attacked yet, just heard that this is going to happen. Ahaz is deeply troubled. Have you ever had your heart shaken by fear? Worry? Well, you see, God has some advice for Ahaz Look at verse 3 and 4. Talking about Syria and Israel. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out now to meet Ahaz, you and your son, Shir or whatever. You guys can pronounce that better than I can anyway. At the end of the conduit in the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field, and say to him, Take care, be calm, have no fear. And do not be faint-hearted because of these two stubs of smoldering firebrands, on account of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son, Ramalia. God calls Syria and Israel two stubs of firewood. Now I have a, Roxy, and I have a wood stove. When you're down to two stubs on each end of your stove. You don't have much fire going. You don't have much heat. Two smoldering brands. This is not a term of endearment that God is calling Israel and Syria. God is saying to Syria, you're about to fall. No one has attacked Judah yet. The people are just very nervous. Then God confronts Ahaz, Judah, with logic and power. Imagine that, he's scared to death, so somebody comes and speaks logic to him. Well, we have the prophet Isaiah show up. Um, So how should Isaiah proceed? If you look at verse seven, God tells Isaiah to meet King Ahaz on the road, Let me just, uh, second, king, second Chronicles, I want to give you an idea of who we're talking about here first. Ahaz, king of Judah, his granddad was a good guy, relatively speaking. Ahaz wasn't. He's described in 2 Chronicles 28. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king. He reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. He did not do right in the sight of the Lord as David his father had done. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. He also made molten images for the Baals. Moreover, he burned incense in the valley of Ben-Hinnom. And he burned his sons in fire according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had driven out before the sons of Israel. And He sacrificed and burned incense on high places on the hills and under every green tree. Not hardly someone that Isaiah is looking forward to having a conversation with. However, he goes on. Ahaz has been relying on idols. The The items worshipped by foreign countries which God forbid them to do you know in the scriptures we have the 10 commandments and idolatry is one of them thou shalt have no other gods before me so why is Israel allied with Syria who's non-believers they're not Jewish they're doing their own thing they're going to somebody that has promised them power. Syria says, Israel, we need to attack Judah. Get rid of Ahaz, have him. We'll raise up a leader from Judah. So when Assyria Assyria attacks us, we'll all be safe. So they're all appealing to man. Nobody's listening to God. Neither the nation of Israel or Judah is faithful. God always tries to work with us in verse 5 and 7 Israel's Israel and Syria's plan for Judah is described that they're to go down and just what I said that they're going to get rid of Ahaz um, and then they'll have Judah to fight Assyria then we look At 2 Kings 16, verse 7 through 9, for the sake of time, I'm going to just tell you, Ahaz makes a secret deal with Assyria that Israel and Syria don't know about. He says, Assyria, if you will help me against my brothers to the north in Syria, then I'll join forces with you. Well, who is the power here? Verse 8 and 9 of chapter 7, you see the power of Syria is resin, a man. The power of Ephraim, which is Israel, is man. The last part of verse 9, God says that if you will not believe me, you will not last. These are his own kids. You're not going to make it. You want to go do your thing with other kings and foreign powers? warning in verse 9, it's not going to last. None of these nations were relying on God's power. Verse 12, let's go back. I was in Chronicles. Let's go back there to verse 12, uh, excuse me, 10 through 12. The Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord God. Make it deep as Sheol and high as the heavens. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test you. Then he said, Listen now, O house of David, is it too slight of a thing for you to try the patience of men that you will try the patience of God as well? God says, Test me. I don't mean a little test. He says in verse 11, Make it big. Ahaz says, hmm, he's not going to do it. Malachi 3.10, when it comes to testing, let me read that quick. God at times tells us to test him. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in the house and test me now. In this says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven, and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Malachi is just one example. Now now you have to put yourself in God's place. He asked Ahaz to test him. How would you feel if the person you were trying to help decided I don't want to rely on you? Okay, maybe sometime later, but not now. I got this deal with Assyria going, God, and I, you know, it's okay. Ahaz has the wrong response. Verse 12 says that I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. He doesn't want anything to deal with God right now. We read in verse 13, there's a warning for disobedience. God will accept his... Anger towards him at times, when we're hurt by tragedy, he understands our as Brother Jerry said, there's, that we get angry when we see unrighteous things happening. He understands that what he does not accept is being ignored and considered irrelevant. He has, has the wrong response. Then comes a very familiar prophecy in the middle of this war. Judah, Syria, Israel, Assyria. Verse 14 and 15. Look what God interjects through Isaiah the prophet. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. And behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son. And she will call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. He will eat curds and honey at the time he knows enough to refuse to evil and choose good. In the middle of this, Isaiah had to, if I was a prophet Isaiah, I would say, Lord, you put that on my heart to say that, but why why did you do this? Uh, We're talking about war here and now you're talking about the Savior coming. Well, let's go to Let's go to Matthew 20, 22. Little did Isaiah know that his words were going to show up. The apostle Matthew was going to record him in 22 and 23. Now all this took place that was spoken by the Lord through the prophet That might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated God with us. That just, when I was looking at this war situation between Israel and Judah, I just, I thought, I couldn't help but think Isaiah just, he had to be somewhat dumbfounded. He was a prophet, though, so he went ahead and said it anyway. I I shouldn't assume. I'm looking at my human standpoint. Isaiah was probably a super preacher, prophet, and he had it all going on, and he knew what he was doing. But I found it odd that we reflect right in the middle of war. Is it odd that we reflect in the middle of war with the promise of the coming Messiah that is a savior of the entire world? How cool. Scholars speculate why this was placed in this prophecy, but we all ultimately know it showed up again in Matthew. When we face problems and we're tempted to rely on ourselves and humans for help, consider the prophecy of the coming Savior, Jesus. He's the ultimate rescue plan. There is no plan B in scriptures for the saving, salvation of mankind. Mankind thinks he's got it all dialed in. World Health Organization, United Nations, International Monetary Fund, these brilliant minds of men think they have the salvation of the world. We see how that's working out, right? (laughs) Not so good. We need to pray for our leaders, as Jerry said earlier. But due to sin in our lives, we're consigned to death. We have no power to save ourselves. Just like Israel and Judah had no power to save themselves. Isaiah the prophet came and said, Hey, trust God. Ahaz, test God, try. And he, God had two lousy choices at this time, to be honest with you help Israel or help Judah. Both of them turned their back on him. I think he tried to help Judah. Personally, I feel because of his ancestor, King David, that God was striving with Judah. However, he strives with all men and women, no matter how evil, no matter how lost, no no matter how indifferent I am, that I say, God, I don't want your help today. Um, My favorite sin is... When Roxy, I lose something, Roxy says, did you pray? And I said, God's a busy man. He's, he's um, too busy to worry about my keys and things like that. I just, no, I don't. I didn't ask him. And she's always chastising me. And maybe that's me being Ahaz saying, not today, Lord. Um, I don't want to bother you with that. You know, he wants to be bothered. Because in the scriptures, he says, cast... How many of your cares on him? All of them, even your lost keys. <laughs> and you know what? Time after time, I'll drop a tool in the woods. Uh, one one time, it was um, a handsaw. Roxy said, "Did you pray about it?" I said, "No." She said, "Help, God." I was all over the woods cutting and trimming and stuff and I had a little handsaw. I walked up to the road and I don't know whether I was getting the mail or what, there was my handsaw laying in the bushes. You want something done, ask her to pray. (laughs) Oh ye of little faith, I confess. Well, just like Israel and Judah, We all have a tendency to want to do our own things. But God loved us so much that he made an ultimate sacrifice. Christ's birth and his life and his death and his resurrection. The tomb is empty. All the other gods that people serve, all of the other theologies, their leaders of the past are still their bones are still in the graves. Jesus was the first born to conquer death that we all inherited through our own sins. Well, I wish I could tell you this had a happy ending, but 2 Kings 16, 7 through 9 says that the Assyrians ended up attacking Judah. They humiliated Ahaz. Judah lost 120,000 people in one day. One day, because Ahaz told Isaiah, maybe sometime I'll listen to God, but not today. We need to pray for our leaders because the decisions they make on a large scale like Ahaz large numbers of people can die if you do the wrong thing or you do your own selfish thing rather than God's. When Jesus came to earth to die on our behalf, he shows us that he's willing and able to solve our greatest problem. Remember, kings and rulers and governments, clubs, organizations that you may belong to, they're all run by men and women. They don't have the answers to redeem our souls. There is no plan B for saving mankind, and Jesus summed it up best in John 14:6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Isaiah could have told Ahaz, you know. There's going to be a Savior born someday. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Well, Isaiah presented to Ahaz the message, God wants to help you. And he goes, I'm not interested. For those of you that are at home and you're lonely, ill, struggling physically, mentally, spiritually, financially, know that you're not alone because Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you alone. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to send my spirit. The Holy Spirit that lives in each person that has a new life in Jesus can meet you right where you are. We don't know what's going to happen to our country in the future. But I do implore you to put all of your faith in Jesus. Hebrews 12.2 comforts us with this promise. Jesus said, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Faith. Can't test it in a test tube. Dr. Fauci can't hold it up and say, here it is, it's in a test tube, or here's something, I'm going to inoculate you in your arm and you're going to have faith. What does the scripture say? Faith is the evidence of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Everything has a leap of faith. You go out and get in your car, you stick the key, and you have faith that their battery is going to be alive and your car is going to start. People that say, you Christians are crazy because you got faith, faith, faith. Everything you do in life takes faith. I have faith that when I go over and flip that light switch, unless you have an ice storm, you're probably going to have lights come on. <laughs> As we know, some of us uh, were humbled by the recent ice storm. But in Jesus speaking about his death and resurrection, uh, he said in John 16, Therefore you too now have sorrow but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and no one takes your joy away from you. I would close with Jerry and for me. I had this music video of uh, Zach Williams and because of copyright laws We can't show it. It's an animated video, and I think Jerry, brother, if you could put that link up there, you can go to YouTube and watch this. And I was gonna preface this song closing my message because, Zach was a world-famous rock and roll star, traveled the world, made lots of money, was into drugs and alcohol and sordid things, um, almost died several times, um, almost lost his wife and his kids, and he found Jesus. And he wrote this song that I was going to play. The song is called There Was Jesus. And if you... See his biography, he'll, say, he'll tell you that he looked back at his life of distortion and realized where God miraculously saved his life and kept him alive when he should have been dead. He wrote this song and he told his producer, he said, you know what, I'd like Dolly Parton to sing this with me. Producer says, well, I'll get a hold of her manager. Her manager said, send us a song. Dolly put the song on her headphones and took it off after listening to it for just a minute and said, I wanna sing this with Zach. They sung about Jesus being there at the country music awards in front of thousands of people. Jesus got lifted up because he saved one man from dying, Zach Williams, and he wrote a song and dedicated it to Jesus. Dolly believed in it, and the rest is history. So that link, in the quiet of your own home, this is an animated version. It's not Zach, it's not Dolly. It's got Jesus in it, or a man acting like Jesus but let let the words to this song speak to you. Whether it's this afternoon, tonight, find a couple minutes, three minutes, and realize as you listen to that music video what Jesus did for each one of us, not just Zach Williams, not just Dolly Parton. Thank you for the opportunity to speak with you this morning. May we all listen. To the Lord, when there's the storms are beating out there and the tempest is—it's—it's it's a crazy world that we live in. Um, remember, let your faith be stronger than your fear. Thank you. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.